Welcome everyone to today's class, chapter 16 we're on of this book, Vedanta Treaties, Use and Abuse of Religion. So this is now, this book is divided into three sections and as it goes into uh, this third section it becomes now a bit more deeper, a bit more subtle. It's more subtle part of the philosophy. In this chapter we talk about religion, which can be a controversial subject, especially in this day and age. It wasn't meant to be like that. Religion has a purpose in society, a role to play, but it seems that purpose has been lost. To a certain degree it's been lost. The reason it is at the back section, according to myself, by the way, back section of this book is that since we have all systematically been studying this book, which educates us about us, the human being, illuminates the purpose of our life, we hopefully now can, we have developed enough to look at this topic more objectively, the role of religion. And also, I'm on Zoom now, so no one can harm me if I say anything negative about religion. <laughs> How dare you say that? Look, you don't have to accept what is being said, but just keep an open mind. If you keep an open mind, you'll learn something. So, what is religion? What is being religious mean? I'm opening up, this is going to be a discussion. What is religion and what is being religious mean? You're all here, all of you are religious in some form or the other. So what is religion? Yeah, Tamash? A belief in the higher. Belief in the higher, okay. Um, sort of a way of life, so uh, a set of rules or, or or something that you follow that someone's said to you. Why do you follow it? Yeah, Megna? Um, either that you were born into an environment that you essentially what are told to follow or you don't know anything else or you don't explore anything further okay so what else so she you, you you wanted to say something um i did but i forgot um okay. <laughs> is it um 
let me just think for a minute for a second um could it be also related to like where you take birth like in some cases the environment in which you take a birth or, or a place in which you take birth and uh what the re uh, religion is there and then you basically get given that religion what is it what is religion what is being religious mean uh I think from the onset of when we were introduced to religion, it was um, something to try and keep us on the straight and narrow. And we were told that if you do this, it's going to be good. If you don't this, it's going to be bad. So it was, a source, it was um, some rules and regulations that obviously someone had decided um, that this is what we should be doing to have a good life. And the way they, they made us to, um, you know, the, the way they tried to make us follow it was by doing rituals and um, um, things that, you know, that was going to keep us on the straight and narrow. What is religion? Uh, religion is a form of discipline. Discipline. And what is being religious mean then? Uh, it's just at that moment of time when you're praying, it just keeps you calm and focus because to practice anything uh, or perform rituals you need to be focused at that moment of time and uh, the, what they say is purifying the mind but in it's just calming the mind down and not thinking of other things while performing an action so a prayer so you're not thinking of something else apart from your prayer what I get from everyone's input is that religion is a discipline, a set of disciplines, a set of rules that one follows. And I presume what is meant by being religious is you following those rules. Yeah. Would, yes. would we agree then? Yeah? Anyone disagree? Okay. So let's take it as that and we'll move on. So after this chapter, you will all have a clear understanding of re what religion is. What is the purpose of religion and the goal of religion? So this topic is called individual diagnosis and treatment, which is what religion will help you to do. Any clarifications before we begin? Okay. So, use and abuse of religion. Make that. The subject of religion has received a casual treatment the world over. Hardly anyone takes up religion seriously, except perhaps the professionals who make a living out of it, and they too have no clue of what it is. Humans can ill afford to do so, Religion is a technology dealing with the development of the individual, such as science is a technology dealing with the improvement of the world. Life is constituted of the individual and the world. Both of them need to be carefully developed, improved. If neglected, there can be no material or spiritual progress. So what is that saying? Saying 
Life is made up of us, the human being, and the world. When you contact the world, there is an experience. The experience is positive or negative. Where scientists have been improving the world to make it a better place, we as humans have been neglected. And therefore, religion is a technology that helps improve, develop us, the individual human being. So just as the scientists are developing the world, religion helps develop us. Both the world and the human being has to be developed for there to be material and spiritual success in life. There's no understanding of this. Hence, people do not take up religion seriously. They're more interested in developing to become materially prosperous. And you may develop materially. You may become rich, have a business, have a fancy car, big house, go on holidays. But that doesn't mean you're happy, you're content. It does not mean you know the purpose of life. Spiritually, you're still a dwarf, you're empty. You won't find true peace and happiness, no matter what you have. Material success will not help you find contentment. It'll only be temporary. You'll always be seeking for more. There are some who take up religion for the wrong reasons, to gain power or gain wealth. They abuse religion for their own selfish gain. That's what that paragraph is saying. I'm diluting it a little bit because some people here may have not been here for the earlier section of the book. Is that, does there any clarifications? Okay. If spirituality development, spiritual development is neglected, there can be no material or spiritual progress. Meaning even though you have material wealth, it won't give you the contentment. That's what it means by material progress. So we all, all our emphasis is on the wrong area. Magna. Even the intelligentsia have no idea of the role of religion in human life. In the name of religion, some plunge into ritualistic practices without understanding what they represent. Others indulge in devotional prayer and worship soliciting material gain or mental solace for themselves. Yet others pick up religious books indiscriminately and read them to satisfy their curiosity. Few approach it methodically as one would pursue science or technology. And the world remains deprived of the value and worth of religion. Consequently, 
few can claim to have attained spiritual mastery. There's no reason or thought put in and we dive into practicing religion. We don't think about it. We just practice it. Some dive into doing ritualistic practices, but they have no understanding the reasons behind the rituals. Just an action. You can't even ask anyone, why am I doing this ritual? Chances are they don't know either. They're doing it purely without understanding what they're doing. Some people go to a temple, mosque, church. They pray. Even then they pray for material gain. Or for sorting out something in a life that is causing them pain or misery. When can I get a good job? When will my business do well? Please help my child pass their exam. Good wife for my child. Pray my daughter has a child. We treat God like a genie. Even when we pray, we're praying for something. This is how people pray. If we do, if you do this for me, I will do this for you. Seven days fasting, or I'll go on a pilgrimage. I'll pay for the orphans to feed them. I'm not saying everyone does this, but there's always something that we want when we pray. Some people pick up a religious book like the Gita and just start reading it, just for the curiosity. What is it saying here? Meaning there's no thinking behind the action. So what it's saying is that we have to approach religion like any other scientific subject. Try and follow it methodically. Try and understand it in the same way. It is a technology, a technology to apply to ourselves. And if you don't do it that way, it's saying it won't have the effect it's meant to. If you don't approach religion in the same scientific way, it won't have the effect it's meant to. Any questions? So we're approaching it wrongly, it's saying. Yipa. Any clarifications? If you disagree, then that means you need to clarify. If you agree, then it's fine. Okay. Think now. Medicine or engineering is a scientific course. To gain the knowledge of either, you need to go through a systemic, pro a systematic process of study under proper guidance. You cannot become a surgeon or an engineer by merely reading medical or engineering books of your choice. The technical courses have laid down definite procedures to follow. You observe these disciplines as far as scientific technology is concerned. You would join a university, follow the prescribed course step by step, 
year by year under qualified masters until you complete it. But you do not care to treat religion in the same way. You do not seem to appreciate that religion is a technology far more scientific than any other known in the world. That there is a greater system and more rigorous discipline associated with the spiritual courses. The procedures laid down in them are far more exacting. You will have to follow them meticulously like the other sciences. Besides, you need guidance supervision to enable you to adhere to the right channel for your spiritual evolution. Needless to mention, you must put in all the important effort on your part to observe these disciplines to gain spiritual evolution. What does that say, paragraph? What does that paragraph say? Can't hear you. Can you hear me? No, I can, yeah. Megma? Um, it's saying that there's sort of those unwritten rules when you do other things that you do follow um, and there's a procedure to follow things. You don't just start, you don't just sort of dive into learning something new. Um, but with religion, we do we sort of do that or we just listen and we don't follow it systematically. We don't grow with learning the basics and then moving forward. Absolutely. Anybody else? Juanita? I think it says um, we also um, dive into bits that we works for us. We don't follow it, you know, from the beginning to understand it in a process. We just think if we dive in wherever it suits us, whatever whatever religion it is, it'll work for us because we think it works the way we want it to work. It's not understanding it is taking from it, I suppose, what suits you. You're just doing it ad hoc without thinking about it, without method, method uh, without um, learning, understanding, and then following it methodically. So any subject you choose to learn, it is a systematic study. You want to be an accountant, you want to be a doctor, you have to go through various courses, build up your knowledge in whatever field you, you, you're going in. Go to a specialist university. Even after getting your qualification, you have to work for a few years as part of your training. Then you qualify. So you have to go through these disciplines. This is what it's saying. In normal studies, you have to do that. So it's saying you have to treat religion in the same way as you study other sciences. But religion is far more subtle. You need to put in a lot more effort. But you have to approach it in the same way. If you do that, then you get positive results. It's not too late. Now, before we read the next paragraph, is there any questions? Any clarifications? Nikisha? You okay? 
Ravi. Just going to say, I mean, to follow a religion and obviously um, approach it from a educational knowledge gain background, but most of us, um, I speak for myself more, is that you're you're born into a religion, you're um, given guidance, you're made scared of certain aspects, so you've got to overcome that before you could actually approach religion in the true way you're meant to. So there's quite a bit of overcoming because you've got your, I would say, your early childhood, which is just driven into you. You do as you're told, and this is how you do it, and that's it. Don't think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it's no one's fault because they've done it the same way. It's not their fault. They've been taught no differently, whoever, as your parents or whoever. But this is how it's supposed to be approached. Now you know. So now we can all approach it in this way. Until, until now, there was ignorance towards it. You accepted it and you followed it. But now you want to develop. You're saying, I want to develop spiritually. I want to be happy. I want to be content with life. I want to fulfill my purpose of life as a human being. Then you have to approach it in this way. Is that, yeah, Ravi? You can always correct whatever needs to be corrected. Your parents did the best they could based on their understanding. Any other clarifications? Just not in. Um, the bit that we just read, um, it also says in there that you should be under guidance as you approach religion. Now, the places we have been to, I don't particularly like the guidance. So how are you then following a religion with guidance then? Apart from you, I mean, who else can we turn to that we think or explore that will help anyone, us with this? Anyone who can remove your ignorance, anyone who can help you to develop and understand the purpose of religion. Now that could be a book if you're able to study and understand it. It could be a guru, it could be anyone who you can um, identify with or you can mentally understand. Doesn't matter who it is. So it doesn't have to be a person, it can be any other It could be anyone. Or... You know, where does this knowledge come from? It comes from uh, accounts of self-realized souls who have experienced this and they've written it down. And we're following that, aren't we? Yeah. 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 So the knowledge is from a book. But with the religion, like Hinduism at the moment, if we look at it, there's so much superstition and a lot of all those kind of things intertwined with our daily living as well. So that makes it harder. Then you can't, you can't say truly you're a Hindu if you're following the current practices, as it were instead of what we're learning now. So we are, we're correcting that. Uh, all of us have been um, following a certain path without thinking because our interest in religion hasn't been strong. We've been more involved in life and dealing with materialism and developing in the world, the worldly benefits. It's now that you have an interest, so there's no harm in correcting 
what is incorrect that you've been following. We can all start from somewhere. We can all start now. Draw a line if you're necessary. Dermish, you had a question. I've been looking at all like religions and starts and even Vedanta. It's all human based. So how do you know the people who start this are correct? People who start this way, people who start this way are humans. We are humans. Yeah. There are certain humans who are highly more developed than we are. Assuming they are correct. You have to ask that question, isn't it? The way to look at this and approach anything in life, never take anything for granted. Yes. A human being has written this, and I'm a human being conveying this message. You have to question it. You have to try it. You have to experiment with it. Then, if it works for you, then you accept it. Otherwise, you don't. Just because I say it, just because it's written here, doesn't mean you have to accept it. If it works for you, then you accept it. And that's how, it doesn't matter who it's written by. You're trying it out for yourself. And if you see a benefit, then you're applying it. See, otherwise you're following it blindly. And we're saying, don't do that. Yeah, it doesn't matter who's written it. Kevin. Yeah, so, so just a few minutes ago, you said that the guidance could be anyone who you identify with or who you sort of, I guess, mentally can understand, or it could be a book. But if it's a book, do we still not need someone to help us uh, understand or make sure that our interpretation is correct? Because I think a lot of... Like if you look, especially like in Hinduism, right? We have so many different branches. Yes, some of them are valid, but a lot of them I find, or maybe I'm, I'm not, you know, hundred percent sure, but a lot of them I find are someone's different interpretation that's led to a different branch, and that may or may not necessarily be correct. Absolutely right. Um, that's why you have to follow based on: is it helping me? Do I understand what is written or is said, and can I apply it? Yeah, so those are the criteria. Otherwise, it, 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 you're just going in one ear and coming out the other. There's no, um, it's not, it's not, there is no um, experience. There's no reaction within you. It has to create a reaction. I've read this, wow. What does it mean? How can I apply it in my life? It makes sense to me. Then you follow it, then you apply it. And if you, if you read a book and you, I mean, if for example, you, you read the Upanishad, which is a direct account from a self-realized person, it re, when you read it, it sounds gibberish. What is this guy talking about? I don't understand the word. So you would need someone to explain it. But if you could understand it the way it's written, then you don't need someone to explain it. So it all depends on where you are, how developed you are. Yeah. So, yes, we do need guidance. And we take guidance at whatever level we need to have that guidance. Is that okay, Kevo? Yeah. 
Any other clarifications? Yeah, Monica. So you know how science moves forward and we discover new things and we have the understanding of uh, all these aspects of how we evolve with science. Religion, do, is it already evolved and we just don't understand it or do we need to evolve it so that we understand it? Religion is there, the knowledge is there and it's been there for thousands of years, but so, we've been devolving so we find it more difficult to understand it as we go along. So, this, so that the, the science of religion is already evolved, but uh, us as humans are not evolved enough to understand it. And that's why we blindly follow things. Thousands we... of years ago, they understood it. Yeah, we don't. But now we're devolving because, because the material world is evolving. We're getting more and more lost in the material world and paying less attention to the spiritual, the religious side. So therefore we're devolving. Our attention is elsewhere. So otherwise the knowledge has been there for thousands of years. And we're finding it more and more difficult to understand it. Any other questions? So it's good that we uh, understand each paragraph before we go up, because it's, it's, so then it'll be clearer. So before we do the next paragraph, um, because there's some newer people here, can anyone explain what Swadharma is and Paradharma is? The, old, the people who've been here before, from, from the beginning. What is Swadharma and what is Paradharma? Can you remember? Deepa. So, Paradharma is against your nature, and Swadharma is uh, with your nature. Swadharma means it helps, it's your nature is Swadharmic, then you apply whatever is Swadharma to you. Paradharmic would be alien to your nature. Yeah, you have a certain constitution. You'll have a better understanding, but just remember that. So dharma helps you and your nature. Paradharma is alien against your nature. Yeah, just remember that while we read the next paragraph. Yeah. Spiritual disciplines are varied. The fundamental requirement, though, is to choose the aspect of training compatible to one's person. Every individual has a distinct constitution. The inner nature differs from person to person. One's own inner constitution is known as Swadharma. And a constitution of an alien nature is Paradharma. You must choose you must make sure you choose your spiritual discipline in accordance with your swadharma and not paradharma. This applies even in the material field. You must select a career which conforms to your basic nature and temperament. If your inner nature is inclined towards mathematics, you should choose your study and career in mathematics. Or it could be music, sport, any other field. 
Thus, basing your career on your inherent nature, you would meet with success and progress in your chosen field. The same rule holds good in the spiritual realm as well. Your inner nature could be emotional or intellectual or balanced in both. Seldom does one find a person lacking both emotion and intellection. You must therefore take up the spiritual discipline compatible with your particular nature and that would escalate your spiritual development. What you'll find in most religions has three parts. Prayer and rituals, knowledge, and then there's a service aspect to it, karma. You help people. Those are the three major aspects in most religions. So what it's saying is that the most important thing to remember is that you must choose the aspect of religion, the portion of that religion that is suited to your inner nature. Everyone's nature is different. So dharma is what your own inner nature is. Para dharma is alien to your nature. Dharma means nature. Swar means it helps you. Your nature is that. Para means it's alien, opposite of your nature. So you must choose a discipline that goes with your swadharma. Even in life, you must choose a job that goes with your swadharma. Then you'll do well. You'll be happy doing it. If you get a job that is paradharmic to your nature, you'll find it more difficult to perform goes against your nature. You want to teach maths. Your family has a chain of shops and your father says, Beta, as soon as you take over, I can retire. You have no interest running a business. You want to teach maths. That's your swadharma. Business is paradharma for you. You may take over as an obligation, but you, you won't enjoy it. You won't be interested in it. You won't feel satisfied regardless of the money you make. Alien to your nature. Business is alien to your nature. Teaching is your sadharma. You know, a child, in, you, you, want, you cannot specify to a child, I want you to be a doctor or engineer or accountant or pharmacist or whatever. You have to go by their sadharma. What is their nature? They might like music. They want to learn how to play an instrument. Or they might want to be a, a sports person. Not every child can be a doctor, accountant, engineer, or pharmacist. <laughs> you have to go by the nature. If, they, if you do that, then they'll be more successful, happy, and they'll do well. Alien they won't be satisfied. Paradharmic. So the same, even with spirituality, you must choose a discipline based on your inner nature, your swadharma. Only then you will progress on the spiritual path. You will develop on the spiritual path. So a lot of us may have been doing spiritual practices, but it may be paradharmic to our nature. So it, it's not helping us. It's not developing us. 
So we're going to go into more detail of that. Is there any um, clarifications, Vanita? Vanita. So your Swaradharma could be hmm? um, Bhakti yeah. or it could be Karma Yoga. So it could be one thing. It doesn't have to be all three to begin with. Ask me that question after we finish the next few paragraphs. Okay. Any other questions? Okay, I'm going to explain it, that's why. Yeah. Any other clarifications? Okay, does everyone have an understanding of Swadharma and Paradharma? Great. Okay. The first and foremost phase of spiritual training is the diagnosis of one's inner constitution. Before you take up a spiritual path, you must ascertain the nature of your constitution. The inner nature is determined by the varying strength of the mind and intellect. When your mind is more developed than your intellect, you are classified as emotional. Whereas when your intellect is more developed than your mind, you are intellectual. Balanced in both, you are active. And there are broad disciplines of devotion, knowledge and action prescribed for the three categories. So your inner nature is based on the strength of your mind and intellect. So this is your constitution. What is Masvadharma? Okay, I need to find out what is Masvadharma. What is more stronger, the mind or the intellect, or are they balanced? So you check on that, then you decide on the discipline, the path you need to follow. If your mind is more stronger than your intellect, you're more emotional. You have emotional characteristics. If your intellect is more powerful than the mind, then you're an intellectual. If both are 50-50 roughly, then you're active. So then accordingly, you would choose the discipline of either devotion for the mind, emotional category, knowledge for the intellectually developed category, or action where there's both balanced. So devotion, bhakti, if you're more intellectual, knowledge, gyan, and if you're 50-50, karma, action. That's how you decide. Now, no, not single person is of only one category. Yeah, we're going to we're going to talk more in detail of that. But does that make sense to everyone? Is that clear? Mind more powerful. You need devotion. Your emotional your emotional personality needs devotion. If your intellect is more powerful, then you're an intellectual. You need knowledge. You're fifty-fifty. Then karma. So this is how you choose. Next paragraph. Spiritual disciplines are imparted to the mind and intellect to rehabilitate them. Chasten your mind's emotions. Subtilize your intellectual thoughts. 
To achieve this, you need to administer appropriate spiritual practice in accordance with the nature of the inner constitution. One medicine cannot take care of all diseases. The emotional need to take to the path of devotion, the intellectual need, the path of knowledge, and path of knowledge, the active path of action. But in the world today, these three classes of people take up courses at random. And the spiritual practices in vague are all indiscriminately mixed up. They have no method, system supporting them. People usually follow a religious practice because they are born into it or because of environmental influence or certain circumstances or opportunity that came their way. Rare indeed are they based on analysis and choice as per individual requirement. Consequently, religion has produced little effect upon humanity. What does that mean, that paragraph? What does that paragraph mean? We need to understand ourselves what we need. Religion at the moment, when people follow it, it's a mixture of everything. So hence it's not giving us what we need for our spiritual development. For the individual person, it's not people are following the wrong practice based on their inner nature. It's just a mixture without any thought. Each person is designed for a particular course of spiritual action, just like the material field. Inclined for business, you take up business. Inclined for medicine, tendency for engineering, etc. Same thing in spiritual practices. You have to find out what is your tendencies and follow accordingly. Otherwise, you will not have an effect on your personality. And if you choose the spiritual path based on your nature, you will see a develop, development on the spiritual path. You'll grow tremendously if you follow the right practice for you. But the problem is we take up religion because we're born into it. Our parents are following it. Their parents are following it. We think it's wrong to change our religion. Follow religion, we may change our religion for the wrong reasons. You know, you want to marry someone, you have to change your religion to marry that person, otherwise you can't you can't marry that person. It's a requirement. Or in a particular country, you may be, you have to follow a certain religion to stay in that country. So it's all for the wrong reason. There's no thought process. That's why religion has lost its power of developing the human being, which is what it's meant for. In fact, instead it's having a negative effect. Religion is having a ne negative effect on us. So we have to be objective with religion. There's so much stigma attached to it. This is the problem. 
looking at your question, you're alienated. You don't follow properly, you're alienated. You don't do certain rituals, you're alienated. So it's all this negativity. You have to conform. It's not necessary. Look at it as a science, a technology to develop you, to make your mind more subtle, purer thoughts, your intellect more subtle. This is what it's supposed to do. Make you develop your personality. Bring in an understanding of some higher divine power. That's what it's supposed to do. Krishnabin, you have a question? Any questions? Okay. Furthermore, even those classified as emotional, intellectual, or active do not carry each one's particular trait only. No person is wholly emotional, wholly intellectual, or wholly active. Each has his own trait in predominance and the other two traits as well in less degree. Hence, the free spiritual path must be followed in the proportion of one's constitute nature. For instance, a person who is 70% intellectual, 10% emotional, and 20% active must put in 70% of his time and effort in the path of knowledge, 10% in devotion and 20% in action. Thus, programming your diagnosis and treatment methodic <laughs> methodically. Your progress in the spiritual path would be meteoric failing to observe a systematic procedure. Your progress will be slow or may remain stagnant, perhaps deteriorate. So according to your nature, you must proportion the disciplines and then you will find yourself growing spiritually. No one is 100% intellectual, 100% devotional or 100% active. One will be stronger than the others, that's all. So whichever one is stronger, you follow that path and you bring in the devotion and the karma, if you're more intellectual, the devotion and karma according to how much you need based on your personality. So it's saying if you're 70% intellectual, you need to, to spend 70% of your time gaining knowledge. 20% doing service, seva, 10% doing prayers, bhajans, going to a temple. And then you're adhering to spiritual development based according to your nature. And then you will see growth on the spiritual path. You're yeah, saying one medicine cannot treat all diseases. Similarly, one path cannot help develop everybody. You have to take the right proportion. Benita, does that answer your question? 
hundred <laughs> percent. Thank you. Any other clarifications there? Does everyone understand what is meant by that? So be objective, look at what you're doing, what you're following, what helps you to develop. That is your primary nature. So you have to put a bit of effort in to understand who am I? What do I need to develop spiritually? Okay, next paragraph. Meditation is the final part of the spiritual course, not meant to be practiced by initiates. You do not start religious practices with meditation. You end with it. A spiritual seeker has to prepare the mind before he enters the final stage of meditation. The preparation is through consistent practice of the prescribed disciplines. An ill-prepared mind plunging directly into meditation could harm itself, suppress, frustrate the individual. Meditation is the last practice. Why does the mind have to be prepared for meditation? See, what is meditation? It's controlling the mind not to waver. So you can have, so you can meditate on a single thought. So all these practices we have to perform, these religious practices, knowledge, devotion, seva, what does it all do? Strengthens our intellect to control the mind. It guides us. It guides us to the meditation, so we can perform the meditation correctly. Not, you know, you say mind is strong enough to actually concentrate on that end part. Why can't the mind concentrate? Because it's full of desires. It's full of, full of desires. Yeah. So what the spiritual practices do? It's, Karma, bhakti, devotion, huh? It, it controls it all, doesn't it? It brings it all together. Brings it all together? What else? Remove Sorry, Meghna had a hand up. Meghna, go on. Um, I was just going to say they reduce the desires that we have in the first place so that we can concentrate when you meditate. Whole goal of spiritual practices, whole goal of religions, is to help you reduce your desires. That's it. Only if you reduce your desires, your mind is less gravitating towards the world, you can then control it to think, think focus on one thought. It's not agitated anymore, mind. It's calm, serene. So these disciplines help you to do that. That's all. all. See, it's the mind and it's the desires that are taking you away from your spiritual development. They all, every, every, your mind is always constantly going into the world to try and fulfill desires. We want to bring it back. Away from, we want to bring it, withdraw it from the world and think of the higher, the self, spiritual development. The only way to do that is by reducing desires. So, if you follow the path of knowledge, jnana, devotion, prayers, or seva, 
all those three disciplines help you to purify your mind, to reduce your desires. That's it. That's the purpose of religion. But you plunge into meditation, your mind's not ready. It's not going to have the effect it's supposed to. It may temporary help, but it's just a temporary solution. You're not using it for the purpose it was designed for. Any questions? Ruby. You're ready. You're okay to carry me to carry on, finish this topic? Or are we getting fatigued? Just jump in. I'm going to use you to uh, can, I finish, carry on with this topic. Yeah, I think yeah? so. Okay. Ruby, go ahead. Religious practices the world over have been indiscreet with no scientific bearing, not planned, programmed to suit individual requirement with hardly any correlation between a person's constitution and his religious observance. An emotional person would take to the path of knowledge, though he is least designed for introverted study and reflection. So too, an intellectual person would plunge into the path of devotion, indulging in prayer and worship, least suited for his spiritual progress. Plus, most people, if not all, err in taking to religious practices by sh sheer accident of birth or circumstance. No thought in deciding a path for your spiritual development. An intellectual cannot go into practicing devotional. It will have no effect on him or her. They need knowledge. In, in fact, myself and Sitwell, she's more devotional and before even studying this subject we used to go to a temple and I could see that she's elated she's in prayer she has a smile on her face there's some reaction within her being in that temple for me there's no reaction I sit there calmly quietly but there's no reaction. I don't feel the same that thing that she does. She does not, I don't have the same experience because now I realize I need knowledge, more intellectual. I study in the morning, there is a reaction because that's my constitution, that's my sadharma. So you have to proportion based on your nature. Otherwise, there's no reaction. So what is your nature? Then you will develop. Otherwise, you will be stagnant. In fact, not only stagnant, you may devolve. Your desires are increasing more. So you're actually devolving spiritually. Any questions?
So that's why, you know, some people go to a temple, there, there's no reaction because it's the wrong prescription for them. That's why. You need the right prescription. And then you'll grow. Probably. Above all, a great blunder committed throughout the world is that people try to meditate with a load of desires heavily hanging on them. Minds infested with desires are most disturbed and using an agitated mind to meditate is like a plane trying to take off with a load of weight more than it could carry. It can never take off and is bound to crash. So will a disturbed mind if it pursues in meditation without offloading the bulk of desires. Vedanta cautions people against beginning at the wrong end. Desires are your weakness. You must get rid of the weakness through proper disciplines. Keep your bosom free of desires. Then alone would you be able to meditate and realize yourself. As we've already covered, you follow systematically disciplines based on your nature. You practice those disciplines, you reduce most of your desires. Once your mind is prepared, you practice meditation. And if you've done the disciplines properly and are mentally prepared, then you will experience the self. So it's all to do with preparing the mind. So we have to look at religion objectively, not emotionally get involved in it. It's a tool, a science, technology that we need to apply and follow in our life to help us reduce our desires. We're doing it wrongly. This is the right way, according to the, the self-realized souls. You want to develop, this is what you need to do, they're saying. Any questions? Okay. Last two paragraphs. A careful study and analysis of today's religious beliefs and systems would reveal how they have become a mockery. As a result, people have lost the vital instruction, guidance in their lives, and the world has led itself to anarchy. The concept of religion has to be re revolutionized. The world has to look at it from a totally different perspective. Religion is not just a balm to soothe your nerves, nor an intellectual companion to relieve your boredom nor a physical pastime to recreate yourself. <clears throat> Religion serves a different purpose. It provides you with the knowledge of the spiritual disciplines and their respective values. You must gain that knowledge, correlate your individual needs with the disciplines. That would ensure your evolution a community with such self-developed individuals is the need of the hour. But the world today is steeped in ignorance. 
people are frantically attached to age-old ritualistic practices without any reference to their meaning and worth. That has caused destruction in the society. The human race has turned inhuman and people have become bitter, hostile, militant in the name of religion. What's all wrong with religion these days? It's, it's no one's fault, it's just the lack of understanding. People don't understand the meaning of religion, the purpose of religion and how to practice religion in the right way. See, instead of having a positive effect on society, it's having a negative effect now. Because of wrong, people's wrong interpretation. See, all these wars in the Middle East and everywhere, all because of religion. Religion is supposed to make you calmer, mind subtle, thoughts of the higher, not make you start killing people and fighting. It's having an opposite effect of what it's supposed to. How can you have a war based on religion? I mean, is, you're following the religion wrongly, if that's, the, if that's the effect of it. Just doesn't follow. And this is the problem in the world today. Wrong misinterpretation of religion, wrong understanding. Any clarifications? Last paragraph. Therefore, the gravest problem facing humanity is stark ignorance of the reality. Ignorance of your supreme self. Ignorance is the source of endless desires. People replete with desires go into the world seeking their fulfillment. Little do they realize that their desires can never be satiated through external pursuit. Ignorance can be overcome only through knowledge. The knowledge of yourself. Yes. Yourself is supreme. Real, yes. Realize yourself. You attain enlightenment through individual enlightenment. The world shall be redeemed. It's all due to our ignorance. Because of ignorance, we go trying to find happiness in the world by fulfilling desires. This will never help us to find true peace and happiness. We must gain knowledge, knowledge of our true being, knowledge of the self. We have to pursue this until we attain enlightenment. Only then we would have fulfilled our purpose as a human being. Find true peace and happiness. So it's ignorance. We just need knowledge. You're all gaining this knowledge now. Now it's up to you to put it in practice. You can't say I didn't know what religion is. Today you now know what religion is and the purpose of it. It's up to you to apply it. Any questions? Ravi. In the paragraph before where it says people are frantically attached to age-old ritualistic practices 
without reference to the meaning. So am I right in sort of saying the practices ain't wrong, it's your understanding of the practices, i.e. just following them as, you know, without any thought or process. But the practices were created to, you know, to enlighten you in one way or the other or to gear you back to the Supreme Self as such. Good point. Anybody can say, tell, tell me why we do ritualistic practices? Dermish. To make you think of the self. Make you think of the self, okay. Vanessa? So let me, let me ask all of you then. When you do a ritualistic practice, does it make you think of the self? Not always the case because it depends where you are. I mean, obviously, us now moving forward, um, like Shamila said, in, originally you may not because you're just following it because you've been told to. So, because Dharma said it's supposed to make you think of the self. So, I'm asking you all a question Does ritual practice make you think of the self? And if not, yeah, Dharma? It depends on your constitution. What yeah, that's the word you've. That's the word you've um, uh, heard today. <laughs> yeah. You can't throw that back at me today. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it does. In the beginning, we don't know what we need. So, like any religion, as you said before, there are different parts that can help you, and it may Let's help. Stick to rituals. Let's stick to rituals. Because Ravi's question is, you're following a ritual and you don't know why you're following it, what is the purpose of ritual? Dharma said is to help you think of the self. And my question is, does it help you think of the self? Kevin. So I think rituals are supposed to make you question. So you do certain rituals and then it should awaken you to say, okay, why am I doing this? What is the reason? Um, but then I guess also we need to distinguish, we need to distinguish between what's a ritual and what's superstition, because over time, a lot of superstitions have developed to sort of be a ritual, which is not necessarily right. Absolutely right. Kevin's absolutely right. Magna. Um, I was going to say that it depends on the person doing the ritual, because I can do the same ritual as somebody else. And you might think of the higher more so than that other person. They might just be doing it to be doing it. So it doesn't really, I don't think it matters too much on the ritual. It depends on your own interpretation of that ritual. Okay, Benita, what did you want to add? I think it's, it can, it could, rituals are done to pacify ourselves because we feel that we're doing something that is, I don't know, giving to God or I suppose some, something related to God, but it's to pacify ourselves. It's not actually to attain anything, isn't it? Because what does God gain from the rituals that we do? Yeah, that's a good point. What does God gain from the ritual you do? That's a good point. Anybody else? Shilavan, what did you want to add? Uh, I think we perform rituals is to lessen our desires, to burn our desires. That's if we know that this is a practice we are doing it to burn, to lessen our desires. If that is in our mind and thought, yes, it will happen. 
But if you're forming a ritual just as a ritual, then nothing, you're not going to gain anything from it. Um, could some rituals like help us strengthen our intellect so that like to help control our mind, like to strengthen our minds, like over our desires? I don't know. I mean, is there a cause and effect relationship with doing a ritual to help us? I don't know. There may be. It depends on the ritual, I presume. It's possible. Okay. So rituals. Yeah, Nilam. Um, I don't know if it was um, a way of trans, almost um, giving the knowledge to people, but in a spoken way. I don't know if that was the original purpose of them, perhaps. You're all very close to, um, and part, some of you are partially, partially right. Carol hit it on the nail. This philosophy was understood by everyone before, thousands of years ago. But mentally, people started devolving. Desire started increasing. Yeah. So this knowledge is become is become more difficult to understand. This knowledge of the self has become more difficult to understand as time progresses. So in order not to lose it completely, what they did was they introduced rituals. Because it's an action. There isn't much thought behind the ritual. You just followed a particular action. You did a particular ritual. Maybe to light the divor, that's a ritual. Light a candle is a ritual, yeah. And there are many other rituals. Going to a temple, going to a church, bowing down is a ritual, yeah. So, in order to conserve and maintain this knowledge, they introduce rituals, so that one day someone will say, out of a hundred people, "What is this ritual that I'm doing, and why am I doing it?" And they may go and find out to find out why they're doing that. And in order, and when they do find out why they're doing it, they come across this subject, this knowledge. So rituals were there to try and conserve this knowledge, and it's worked to a certain degree. It has worked; otherwise, this knowledge would have been completely would have disappeared. That's why rituals were invented to conserve this knowledge. That was the purpose of it. So one day someone will ask, why am I doing this ritual for? And there'll be knowledge pertained behind that ritual. Why am I bowing down in the temple? What is the purpose of it? You may ask someone and they, if they have the answer, they'll tell you. That is gaining knowledge. So the ritual brings you to the knowledge. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you're saying like the rituals kind of take you to the knowledge. So say if you like reach that knowledge, do you, do you continue doing the ritual? Or is that just a prompt to lead you to the knowledge? Absolutely. Prompt to lead you to ritual. Once you've found that knowledge, why would you want to do the ritual? It's a means. Means to an end. See, if you get stuck with the rituals, you never find the knowledge. You never come to the knowledge and you're stuck with the rituals, which does not help develop you. 
there's no cause and relationship to develop you as a, your personality from the ritual. See, you may light a candle or diva. Why are you doing it? If you don't know what you're doing, it then it's just lighting a candle, isn't it, really? You need to know the purpose and the meaning behind it. Why am I lighting a candle? You're, why am I praying? You're thinking of someone higher. The person who created this universe, the person who's helping you breathe, the person who's giving you prosperity, the person who's bringing the sun out every morning. Who is this person? Whoever that may be, that higher being, I bow down to, I pray to you. Thank you. For bringing peace in my family, I thank you. Gratitude. So that's why you pray. That would be the true purpose of praying. I don't understand what the higher being is, but whoever that is, whatever that is, I humbly pay my gratitude. That is prayer. The ritual of praying. So that is that ritual. So the old rituals have some connection to some piece of knowledge. But once you gain the knowledge, as Bijal said, you don't need to do the rituals. But if your constitution is that you need devotion, prayer, then you would do that proportionately. Any clarifications? Any questions? Megna. Um, so we're saying that some rituals that are there or that we've learned or to do over our life, now that we have a certain knowledge, we understand certain rituals and why we do them. For example, if you pray daily or we're told to pray daily, then that's we can understand with the knowledge we have now in from this class that that's to think of the higher is something to think of the higher having idols are something to visually represent the higher knowledge but there are some factors of like rituals and things that essentially we do but i don't have the answers for and so then the question is if there is if you can't physically find the answer then is that something you basically reject or or where is where do we go to find those answers or is that just going to be expressed through further knowledge um, if you cannot gain the answer from the ritual then what's the purpose of that ritual it's just an act isn't it really there's no there's no uh, development from doing that ritual there's no cause and effect of a reaction within you so what is the purpose of it then it's just blindly doing something with no meaning So you have to ask yourself that question. Why am I doing it? Is there a reaction within me? Am I developing? Am I having a better understanding? Okay. So just, I, so it's a bit confusing, right? Because in the first place, you're doing a ritual because you have no understanding. So you're doing that to sort of get you to that point. But I think like if you 
you it's very difficult because you need to understand when you when you reject that right because the first two or three times you might do the ritual or the first hundred times who knows you might not get that reaction because you still don't have the understanding but then at some point you will get a reaction hopefully and then after you you try and you know question and do your research and sort of understand it then only you would either say yes okay i'm going to accept this or no i'm going to reject it right Absolutely, absolutely. Rituals are like a ladder on spiritual development. Yeah, where highest rung of the ladder is self-realization. So any rituals or spiritual practices you do is to get to the top of the ladder. You don't stay on the first rung. You have to keep moving up, developing, either through practicing or through knowledge and understanding, you keep having to develop yourself until you get to the top. Remember that. So you may, rituals you may do, yeah? But if you just do it blindly without questioning it, then it doesn't help you. But if you question it, find out why am I doing this ritual? What's the purpose of it? How is it supposed to help me go up the ladder? How is it supposed to help me develop? You find that out. And once you understand that, then the purpose of doing that ritual is no longer necessary. It's not necessary to do that ritual anymore. Because you've understood what is behind that ritual. Yeah, Kevin. So what I find difficult is, um, I fully understand that, right? And um, what's, what is probably challenging in today's time is that you do the ritual and it prompts you to question, to you know, to try and understand why am I doing it? What is the reason? What is the purpose behind this? But there's no one, or it's very difficult in today's time to find someone to answer that question and to get that knowledge from someone. And I think that's sort of where things sort of start getting blurry. And and that and and, and that's that's one aspect. And then the other aspect is that. A lot of the things, like I, like I said earlier, a lot of things we do is sort of just someone's superstition from 100 or 200 or 1,000 years ago, right? And no one has the answer. And so you, you don't know sometimes whether you're following a ritual or superstition, right? Because it's hard to distinguish between the two because no one's there to help you or, or give you the answers that you need. So you have to apply your own intellect and to question and be objective and not do it just because someone has told you to do it or someone is expecting you to do it or, you know, um, it, because you've been doing it for all your life, that you have to draw a line and question it and find out yourself. If no one can answer your question and find out yourself, read. Read the Bhagavad Gita, it'll tell you in there. You have to find out yourself. You have to go on the quest and understand it for your own spiritual development. See, we have to get to the top rung of that ladder. You have to put in the effort to do that. No one can carry you up there. You have to develop yourself to go up that ladder. Whichever way you, 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 you think possible. Knowledge, devotion, whatever it is. And if it's helping you reduce your desires and thinking less of materialism, Essentialism, etc., then it's working. Whatever you're doing. As you have been said, if, if it helps you to reduce your desires and not think of your desires, then it's helping you because it's the, the desires that are keeping you in the world and not thinking of the higher. 
Is that right? Kill? I was just going to add that does it really matter us questioning the ritual as such in a sense because if each ritual is the aim of it to think of the higher and we're doing it to think of the self then the action itself shouldn't really matter mm -hmm. So therefore, because we could spend, we have, we have so many rituals within our mm -hmm. religion that we would always constantly be negative about it and think, well, I'm not doing that. Why am I doing that? And it can become a negative aspect, I feel. Whereas if we just believe that it's meant to help us, to enable us to think of the self and nothing else, and whatever ritual we're doing, we just think of the self as in paying gratitude and being thankful. Does it matter? Is so does it matter? Well, what does everyone think? Does it matter? Should you just do the ritual? Um, Venita, you had your hand up first. So I think that you have to also respect other people as well, because whether you reject that ritual or respect it, there's somebody that holds on to that ritual because it means something to them. So you have to decide for yourself if that ritual doesn't mean anything to you. You also need to accept that for other people, it means a lot. So you, you can bow down to somebody, you can do a Mara, you can go to the Mandir, but it doesn't mean just because you're not gaining something from it, you shouldn't do it because you the whole idea is to understand everybody's different and everybody respects things differently isn't it um yeah i was gonna say that it, that um it's a positive way of looking at it um obviously that it, there's if you're going to just do them all then just think that they all sort of going to bring you to a higher thought process but i think even with what sort of Kevin was saying before, we're trying to distinguish between what we are, what we have been taught, what is, what we are doing and what the reason why we're doing it and not just doing it. There are gonna be some rituals and superstitions that people have just made up and that have sort of passed down and followed through for so many years and generations that we're trying to now distinguish what is, an act that is bringing me to the higher and what is something that someone's just said to do because they don't even know themselves so I think that even though it's good to I you know put everything in the category of yeah we should follow it because it's bringing us to a higher sort of thought process but there are some we do need to filter the the difference rather than just doing everything blindly as such okay so you had something to say next Yes, talking about all this today, I came across this uh, saying, it's, it's a question of who I am. If you ask a psychologist, the answer will be only unhappy people ask this question. If you ask a religionist, he'll say, read this book. If you ask an activist, he says, stay busy. If you ask an opportunist, he'll say, let me tell you. So he's going to tell you what he wants to tell you. If you ask a common man, he says, dude, get a life. If you ask a mystic, he says, 
I kiss your feet, brave one. I stand in awe. Who asked this question? You are the rarest of creatures. So it depends who you ask this question to. And the question is, you have to ask yourself, who am I? So you, you have to find yourself in this. It must be the question, who am I? Yeah. If doing the rituals answer that question, by all means, do them tenfold. Yeah. If those rituals are helping you reduce your desires and go up in the rung of the ladder to the top, by all means, do them tenfold. Only you can decide. Nilam, you had. No, I was going to say the same. So I was going to say going. Sorry, come. Sorry, no, I was going to say the same. So I was going to say going back to, you know, working out what our inner nature is, and then based on that, if we have a reaction, carrying on, and if we don't, then asking the questions and finding what does work for us. Last words by Nikisha. No? Okay. So, based on your constitution, be objective, apply whatever practices that helps you develop, develop becoming a better human being, a more unselfish person, think of the higher, think of less of your desires, then you're on the spiritual path to development. If whatever you do, rituals, knowledge, prayer, service, whatever you do, if it promotes that and it develops that within you, then you're on the right path. If it doesn't, then you're wasting your time. You will not develop. That's the bottom line. So on that note, something for you to all think about. Think of your constitution. <laughs> and we will take this up next Sunday. <laughs>